Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. This is Abdurrahman Murphy, and you are listening to our latest Heartwork series called Becoming a Friend of Allah Lessons from the Life of Prophet Ibrahim. If you benefit from and appreciate the work that we do here at Roots, please consider becoming a sustainer at rootsdfw.orgslash sustain. Your contributions go a very long way in supporting the work that we do. And if you're ever in the Dallas area, please give us the honor of being able to host you. We'll have a cup of coffee for you at Suhba, inshallah and we'll be able to welcome you home in person. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alrighty. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. How is everybody? Alhamdulillah. Welcome home. It's good to see everybody, alhamdulillah, here again. Um, I'm happy to report that it's 96 degrees. 92, alhamdulillah. Look. It's okay. When you go from the oven to the microwave, it's worth celebrating a little bit. Allah says that, you know, that if any good happens to you from Allah, then you got to proclaim. So, alhamdulillah. Seriously. It's really funny when you walk outside and it's 95 and you're like, it's kind of cold. It's kind of chilly outside. Um, but all, all jokes aside, you know, it's... it's um, it's a, it's a spiritual truth that the, the difficulties in life make even the smallest blessings very, very heavy. So the more difficulty that you have, the more challenges that you go through, the more you appreciate even the smallest blessings. If you think about Ramadan and fasting, right, cold water never uh, felt or sounded so good. Uh, generally, throughout the rest of the year, water is seen as a really just, you know, it's basic if you go to someone's house and you're like, would you like some water? You're like, I guess. I can go to the bathroom and just, you know, turn on the faucet. And But in Ramadan, at Maghrib, when someone says, do you want some water? You're like, yes, my, my king, yes. You know, Sultan, please. You know, you thank them, you hug them. So what makes the difference is that when you are tested, uh, all of the benefits start to become highlighted. So it's important not to... Forget Allah when difficulties are relieved from you. When good things happen, it's important to remember Allah and to not just keep asking, but to take time to remember to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to remember that your life is basically a period between two answered du'as and that at any given moment you're experiencing the answer of your du'as. And so we thank Allah Ta'ala for answering our du'as. How many of you in the last few weeks have been like, God, when is it going to cool off a little bit? And then you walk out this morning to go to work and it's like a nice 77. And you're like, you know, the first thing you say is like, oh yeah, that's awesome. Good, good, right? But you should say, alhamdulillah, my du'as were answered. Uh, we are going to continue inshallah. The Becoming a Friend of Allah series on the life of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Uh, I'm really enjoying this series, subhanAllah, because I really think that Prophet Ibrahim, uh, is, his story is so universally applicable. Anybody, anywhere, anytime can connect to his story. He has so many different elements, subhanAllah, of you know, being a faithful uh, you know, worshiper of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I think one of the things that I appreciate the most about Ibrahim salam, is his principle, that he's somebody that doesn't waver. Um, we are going to finish now. We, we've been through a few different sessions where we've talked about 
the nature of his relationship with his father and his people and the difficulty that they had between them, uh, the challenges that, that occurred you know, when it came to him preaching to his people. By the way, if anyone wants to uh, get comfortable, the multi-purpose hall is open for overflow, inshallah. So if you want to head over there, you can, inshallah. You don't have to, but if you want to, uh, we have it set up for, with the TVs and stuff. Um, so we have so far now, we've gone through the period where he spoke to his people. He gave them the message. He tried to introduce them to Islam, uh, you know, to Allah. It didn't end up working out. And then we went through a period where he was being punished by his people. They catapulted him into the fire. And then miraculously, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that moment gave him relief. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ يَا نَارُ كُونِي بَرْدًا وَسَلَامًا عَلَى Ibrahim." That, oh, fire be cold and be peaceful upon Ibrahim. And in that moment, everything that physically thermodynamically, we believe should have happened, did not happen. But that's okay because Allah created physics, right? Like how on earth can a, such a small child create such a loud noise? But Allah created them this way because, no, listen, this is deep, because they don't have any other means of getting attention. They can't get up and go to the bathroom themselves. They can't get up and get food. You look at the body of an infant and you're like, there's no way it can be louder than me. And then Allah proves you wrong, right? So may Allah Ta'ala bless that beautiful child, inshallah. <laughs> Listen, Roots is like a family, I love it. It's a family community environment, right? Just, just focus, right? Lock in. So in the story of Surah Maryam, we have perhaps one of the most emotional conversations in the Quran. And that is the conversation between Ibrahim and his father, Azar, after Basically, after the punishment had failed, after Ibrahim had left, and now he has officially been anointed as a prophet. So up until this point, he was a person that believed in the religion of Allah. He believed in monotheism, but he wasn't given the charge of messengership. Like it wasn't his duty yet. But now, now that he had been through this miracle of being catapulted, catapulted into this flame and he came out, and now everyone's aware of his nature of being a, a messenger. He now is given the charge of messengership. And everyone now understands who he is. And, it's, you know, so to speak, the line has been drawn in the sand. And so after this moment, he has this conversation with his father. And you see some amazing personality traits here. For someone that is, again, alone... Right, we talked about this. Ibrahim in the middle of the fire says, What? Oh Allah, you are alone as God. You are the only God, and I'm the only worshiper of God. And he's like pleading to Allah, like, Oh Allah, just understand my my pain, that I'm alone in my worship of you. But being in that state, he still had what we would call like prophetic character. And this is really important because there is a chance, there is a chance that you could in fact be correct about something, but the way that you behave can in fact push people away from whatever it is that you're correct about. So you could be right. There's a lot of things in life that you're probably right about, but the, the language that you use and the way that you act and the, the, the disposition that you carry can in fact push people away. 
And likewise, there could be a lot of people that are wrong, but because they behave better and they have good character, their argument is it has a softer landing and people tend to overlook the mistakes, okay? And so it's really, really important as we think about what Ibrahim Alayhi mission is and how stressed out and tense he must be, that he still is able to maintain composure. And this is like one of the traits of the friends of Allah is that they don't lose composure. They don't get rattled. They're able to keep themselves together. So Allah Ta'ala now shifts the scene. And he says, and mention in the book, وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ إِبْرَاهِيمِ إِنَّهُ كَانَ صَدِّيقًا نَبِيًّا That mention and, remi- and remind and remember the story of Prophet Ibrahim. He says, verily, he was a two things, a Siddiq and a Nabi. He was a messenger, but also Allah Ta'ala gave him the title Siddiq. Where have we heard that term before? Have we ever? Who, who else was given a similar title? Abu Bakr, right? So Abu Bakr Siddiq, the best friend of the Prophet And I've mentioned his story here so much because I love it, but what was the, what was the impetus for his, it wasn't his last name. He wasn't, he wasn't given the name as a, as a lineage name. It was a title, a Siddiq. He was given that title because when the Prophet was being doubted at his greatest after Isra Maraj, when he traveled to Jerusalem and ascended the heavens and came back all in one night, when this challenge was being proposed to the Quraysh and they were mocking the Prophet ﷺ, it was only Abu Bakr as he sat there in front of the Prophet ﷺ, being mocked by people who disbelieved in him. It was only Abu Bakr that was able to say, verbalize that Sadaqta Ya Rasulullah. You're being truthful. Because the word Sidq means truthfulness. But it also has the connotation of loyalty. So Abu Bakr in that moment was telling the Prophet ﷺ, you're being truthful. You're not lying. Everyone else is laughing, but Ya Rasulullah, I'm not laughing. Keep going. Tell us, how did you go to Jerusalem? Tell us, what was it like? What did you see? How did you ascend the heavens? Abu Bakr is the only person. I want you to imagine like a room this size with this many people. Everyone else is mocking. And there's only one person sitting in the front saying, I believe you. I mean, this is like one of the most emotional scenes you can imagine. But that's the power of honesty. That's the power of loyalty is that amongst all of those people laughing, the Prophet ﷺ only heard Abu Bakr. And amongst all of the people that were doubting Ibrahim, Allah only heard him. That he was a Siddiq. He was somebody that kept his promise. He was truthful. He meant it. And this is something, again, a little bit uncomfortable, but it's okay. We can deal with a little bit of discomfort. You all had your matcha. We're ready. All of us claim to have the belief of Allah and His Messenger. I'm not saying that we're not Muslim. That's, don't, do not get me wrong. Right? Even if you're in here and you are, in fact, not yet a Muslim, you are. We'll get you there. All right? Lock the doors. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. All right? Inshallah. But just, just a couple samosas. Do the trick. Okay. Cooked with Zamzam. So... We all make a claim. And Allah talks about this claim in the Quran. Allah says that there were a group of Bedouins that came to the Prophet ﷺ and they said, Ya Rasulullah, we are believers. And they were almost like celebrating ceremoniously like their belief. And Allah Ta'ala said, not so fast. 
because the claim of being a mu'min comes with its own set of requirements and challenges, right? And this is why when we expect to be given the benefit of iman, we have to make sure that we're living up to the requirements of iman. Ibrahim was given miracles, why? Because he believed in the one who could give him the miracles. Many of us make dua, but we're not sure if Allah is actually going to answer. We're making like agnostic dua. It's like a Hail Mary. We're like, well, I know Hail Mary has Christian connotations, but you know, you get what I mean. It's a football term, right? We're making dua, we're like, oh Allah, if you're not busy, if you can hear me. Ibrahim was just calling out to Allah like with such certainty. He had no doubt. He was Siddiq, right? And subhanAllah, the amount of certainty and the amount of like loyalty that you have to Allah is directly connected with the amount of regularness that you have in performing your worship to Allah. That's why when we're getting tested, what do we start doing again? We start praying on time. When things are going south, what do we start doing again? We start waking up for Fajr. When we need to get that job, when we interviewed and the market's not looking so hot, what do we do? We start reading Quran again. Because we understand that. We get it. Our du'as are impacted by the amount of connection we have with Allah. And then we drift. We drift away slowly, right? Like a boat that doesn't have an anchor. And then we realize we've drifted too far and we got to make our way back. But the true friends of Allah, they don't have this up and down ebb and flow that's as great as this. Right? For us, it's a matter of Ramadan comes, Ramadan goes, we're good and then we're not. And this, But for these people, subhanAllah, every day, and we're going to talk about how to do this at the end, he tells us. Every day is a day where they understand that Allah is with them. And this is our goal. Say inshallah. You want to wake up. Right? You want to wake up. And that's why the, the dua of the Prophet sallallahu when you wake up and before you go to sleep is to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oh Allah, thank you. The one who wakes up, right? Gives life to the dead after they have experienced it. Right? So he calls him a Siddiq. Now he's going to talk about how he became this. We talked about the first step. إِذْ قَالَ لِأَبِيهِ يَا أَبَتِي لِمَا تَعْبُدُوا مَا لَا يَسْمَعُوا وَلَا يُبْصِرُوا وَلَا يُغْنِي عَنْكَ شَيْئًا Oh my father, why are you devoting yourself and worshiping something that cannot hear you, cannot see you, and cannot benefit you at all? And this is one of the first steps of being Siddiq. Is that in every given moment, what do you remember? Allah can hear me. Allah is watching me. And anything that I need, it can only come from Allah. Anything that I need, it can only come from Allah. You know, Muslims are so amazing. We can take signs of God in a canceled Grubhub order. I was with some friends and we ordered and it got canceled and we were hungry. And it just said your driver canceled the order. The driver is probably hungry too, if you know what I mean, right? The driver picked it up and then all of a sudden it gets canceled. Not fishy at all. And one of the guys there jokingly just says what? It wasn't in our risk. It wasn't in our provision. And all of the anger that we had, all of the disappointment that we had, it disappeared. It vanished because he reminded us that, look, that food was never going to be in your stomach. So why are you upset? Now, that principle of understanding that Allah is listening, he's watching, and he's the only one that can benefit, it gives you perspective in every single scenario in your life. 
You're being oppressed by somebody. What do you need? Someone says something to you that's so hurtful and no one else is there to help you. What's the one thing that's going to give you relief? Allah knows. Right? Something you did that was beautiful and no one was there to see it. A beautiful deed, a virtuous act. You've been working on it for so long. Getting up to pray, holding your tongue in a moment of anger, all of these things that you're working on. No one was there to witness it. No one praised you. No one gave you a pat on the back. And then you feel a little bit lonely. What do you say? Allah knows. Allah saw that. Right? So this constant reminder of the presence of Allah is something that the believers, the friends of Allah have. And you know what happens? SubhanAllah, as they realize that this is more present, they realize that they are less in need of the validation of others. They're less in need of the protection of others. They're less in need of venting to others. doesn't mean that they don't. It just means that they don't do it to everybody all the time. You have your close circle, your family, your friends. You can talk to them. You can vent to them. You can bounce ideas off of them. But your real session is dua after Isha prayer. That's where you really open up to Allah. Oh Allah, today this really hurt me. This person really hurt me. This situation, oh Allah, I didn't get it. I was hoping and I didn't get it. Why Allah, why? Help me understand Allah. And you talk to him just like, I mean the most beautiful example of dua in the Quran that I love so much is Zakariyah. He wants to have a child. He's too old. His wife is old. And he says it. Oh Allah, we're old. He literally says, my bones are turning to dust. Like I'm super old. But you've never let me down. Look at that emotional connection. So he ties this absence of these traits that the idols cannot do any of these things. He ties that to his father and says, do you really feel confident worshiping these idols that can't do any of this for you? You know that they can't hear you or see you or help you. Then he continues, Ya abati, inni qad ja'ani min al-ilmi ma lam ya'tika. Fa'tabi'ni ahdika siratan sawiyah. That, oh my father, it has, and I want you to understand the tone here. Okay, let me, let me step back and tell you one thing. Ya abati, there's a lot of ways in English that you can call your dad or your mom. How do you call your dad? What do you guys say? Yeah, papi, baba, abu, dad. For me, it was dad, dad, right, okay? I'm baba, okay? There's abba, there's baba, there's ebi, there's abu, there's so many. Pops, if you're white enough, right? Okay, so there's so many different ways you can call your father, correct? I want to tell you that also in Arabic, it's the same way. In Arabic, you can speak more literally, father, my father, okay, walidi, one, the, 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 male, the, male, uh, uh, the male partner in my conception and birth, walidi. You could say ebi, my father. Ebiti is like the most loving form of calling to, to your father. Like in Arabic, you can say, Ya ibni, which means my son, or you can say, Ya bunayi, like little guy, right? So there are these forms in the Arabic language that denote intimacy, love, and this is one of them. So the first thing that we notice before even he starts is that he doesn't refer to his father as like, you jahil, like kafir, what's wrong with you? 
And this is very important because what we just say, you could be right, but the way you say things could take away from your correctness. Ibrahim is no doubt correct, but he has to make sure, as they say, that he comes correct. Because if you don't end up inter in, uh, uh, interfacing and engaging with somebody in a way that's correct, you're going to ruin your whole message. Think about this. The message that you have is way too important for you to mess it up by being rude. When you're making da'wah, when you're trying to explain to somebody, when you're trying to help someone get better, the message that you have is way too important for you to let your ego get in the way. You have to shut that off. You have to be so humble when you approach somebody. Like you might know exactly, without a doubt, that this person is fully aware what they're doing is wrong. But you still have to ask them, hey, I don't know if you, I don't know if you caught this, but yesterday when, you, when we were together, you didn't do that. or you, did, you, probably, you probably forgot, right? Knowing full well they didn't forget. But again, the landing has to be soft. So he says, Ya Abati, and remember this, the Prophet Sallallahu the Prophet Muhammad, everyone should say Sallallahu Alaihi at least once. The Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu he was never ignored or rejected based on how he spoke. The people who rejected him, a lot of people rejected him. Quraysh, all these people, they said, no, 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 we don't believe, we don't believe. A lot. But not one of them said, we just don't like the way you talk. Not one of them said that. They said, we don't agree with you. You're changing our way, our forefathers, da, da, da. They had all these arguments, but not one said, you know what? We would believe in you if you were just nicer. They never said that about him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So check yourself next time. Look at yourself and realize that might is not always right and harshness does not always win, right? May Allah Ta'ala help us. So he says, ya abati. And he's calling upon his father. And then listen to this. Instead of him saying that, oh, my father, you are wrong and I am right. What does he say? Inni ja'ani min al-ilm. Oh, dad, this is the best way to translate it. It seems to be that there has somehow come to me something of this thing called knowledge. He doesn't even say like, I'm a prophet, you're not, get in line. Right? Did you not see me just walk out of that fire? What else do I have to do? He didn't say any of this. He says to his father, like, in the most beautiful way. I'll never forget. It's like when I asked that brother where he went to med school, and he was like, oh, in the Northeast. I was like, where? He's like, mm, somewhere in Northeast, New England. I was like, where? He's like, uh, this place, state, you know, Connecticut. I was like, oh, you went to Yukon? He goes, no, no, no. And then he's, I was like, where? And he goes, uh, I think, where's the city where Yale is? New Haven? I said, you went to, I was like, where? He goes, the city, and it's a school in New Haven. I said, you went to Yale Med School? He goes, yeah, something like that. I was like, something like that? Is there a community college nearby I don't know about? Yale Community College School of Medicine? Like, just say it, man. Like, you make me go on this wild goose chase to figure out your alma mater. But again, it's so beautiful when someone downplays. Because they don't feel that it's, it's such a proof of absence of ego, isn't it? The one who has ego has to make up for it. Yeah, you know, I'm a prophet now, so you got to listen to me, dad. How the, you know, how the tables have turned. And just like talking to his dad, like, oh, yeah, you make those idols. Well, I actually have a real Allah. So, you know, like there's none of that. That's us. That's what we would say. And that's why we don't have the success that these people do, subhanAllah. Not, not in terms of dawah, because his father, by the way, spoiler alert, 
It doesn't go well. But the success internally. You know, many of us leave conversations and we've destroyed ourselves. Forget the opposite. Forget the person that we're talking to. We've lost ourselves. You became a shell of yourself because you were so upset, so angry, so impatient. He doesn't show that here. That this knowledge has not yet come to you. So he's not even like wiping them off. He's not saying, oh yeah, you'll never get it. He says, it, it just so happens to be the case that hasn't come to you yet. So he says, what? So just follow me. So that we can go, I can show you the straight path. That again, has been shown to me. I didn't make it up. I didn't find it on my own. It was given to me. يَا أَبَتِي لَا تَعْبُدِ الشَّيْطَانِ إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ كَانَ لِلْرَحْمَانِ عَصِيَّةِ Oh my father, please look at what you're doing. Do not devote yourself to the devil. Do not. Because you, it starts with the idolatry and then it ends with the loss of virtue and ethics and then you're catapulting a messenger of God into a pit of fire. Don't go down this path. At this point, by the way, the Mufassirin, they say that his dad knows what the truth is because he just witnessed that miracle. So he tells him that, look, when you know right from wrong, every time you choose wrong, you're choosing shaitan. You can't claim ignorance. If you can claim ignorance, that's fine. Everyone gets up and leaves. <laughs> if you can claim ignorance, that's fine. But you know what? As soon as you know right from wrong, you cannot claim that you are obeying Allah when you choose the wrong every single time. Okay? So he says, now, Dad, that you know right from wrong, I'm begging you, please don't choose the wrong way. Please. And then in order to emphasize who shaitan is up against, he doesn't even say Allah. He doesn't say the other names of Allah. He says, Rahman. The one that you're turning your back on is in fact the one who's the, who is the most merciful to you. Why do you think he would say this? Why didn't he use other names of Allah? You tell me. Let's reflect for a second. Group reflection time. Huh? Okay, wow. Beautiful, mashallah. To give him the promise of what? If you come back, you'll be forgiven. Right? So that's the number one thing that every person who's made a mistake, they want to know. You know, <laughs> when my daughter gets in trouble or my son gets in trouble and they're like standing 20 feet away from me crying, the first thing I say to get them to trust me is, you're not in trouble. And then they come and I'm like, time out, 50 minutes. Can never trust me, right? No, I'm joking. No, but really, that's how it works. When, you, when you're guilty, you want to know, am I in trouble? Am I, like, I, I get it, am I in trouble? So he tells him, number one, like, Rahman, you're not in trouble. What else? Soften his heart a little bit. Think of all the mercy that's been bestowed upon you. What else? Is it more egregious, is it more horrific to turn your back on a tyrant or on a benevolent, loving leader? Which one's worse? If you turn your back on a tyrant, everyone makes excuses for you. How, how you know, yeah, I get it. They shouldn't have rebelled. But how do you expect them to live under that condition? Right? If people live in this country where the ruler is tyrannical, the economy is horrible, the ruler is building palaces, the people can't afford to eat bread, and there's protests, and they're burning tires, and people are upset, you're like, you know what? It's probably not the best thing to do, start protests and burn tires, but how do you expect these people to live? Everyone always says what? You make excuses for them. Masakin. Right? But 
if the ruler is like this incredible, kind, loving, I know we don't have that on this earth at this moment, but if they are, then you look at the people and you say, how could you? How could you? Do you know how good you have it? So he's saying to his father that in this moment, if you choose shaitan, you always have a way back. Your heart should feel that. But he's almost telling him what the seriousness of this is so understated that if you turn your back on Ar-Rahman and you choose shaitan over him, it's really a sign more about you than it is about anything else. And now it's easy for us to look at his father and be like, who would do that? But man, ask yourself the tough question. How many times do we choose something besides Ar-Rahman every day? Ask yourself the question. How many times do we choose? When every time we look at something we shouldn't look at, we're choosing ourselves over Ar-Rahman. Every time we backbite knowingly. You know, backbiting is such a weird sin because you know you're doing it as you're doing it. Imam al-Ghazali says that. You know, some sins, like you lose your mind and you forget and then you're like, oh God, I gotta stop. Backbiting, you're like doing it and you're like, God, but I hate this person so much. Imam al-Ghazali actually says this. He says, don't, <laughs> and then there's always the guilty conscience that tries to say, you know, I'm just saying this because I'm worried about them. No, you just destroyed them. You annihilated their character. Yeah, Allahumma yahdina jami'an. May Allah guide us all. No, may Allah guide you specifically to stop backbiting. <laughs> That's really the issue. And so subhanAllah, Imam al-Ghazali says, don't become a person that does these things and then tries to wrap it up with a nice bow. Like, oh, you know, uh, but Allah is forgiving. May he forgive us all. No, just stop. It's like taking a bag of, of uh, like a dirty diaper and putting a bow on it and being like, no, it doesn't work like that. So every time we choose to go against what we know is right, we are choosing shaitan. That doesn't make us not Muslim, not saying that, but it absolutely diminishes our iman. And then the next time we want to be patient, we're not going to find that patience. The next time you want to be tr have tawakkul, you're not going to find it. The next time you want to be grateful, you're not going to find it. I can't tell you how many times we're sitting in a, in, in a moment and we start complaining about something, and then everyone's like, you know, we really should be grateful. Why weren't we grateful earlier? It's because our iman was not strong enough to, to, to recognize the grateful moment. We had to first be guilted into it. But when you are close to Allah, when you do things right by Allah, your iman response is almost immediate. Almost immediate. And then he continues, Ya Abati, this is now he's getting to the, the conclusion of this. عذابن, oh, my father, my dear father. Again, he's not saying, hey, dad, listen up. He's saying, it's almost like he's holding his hand, begging him. Dad, please, I have such a, I have such a crazy big fear. I'm, so, I'm petrified. That what? That you might be touched. Again, he's not trying to say, that God is going to catapult you into the hellfire just like you catapulted me. But your situation is going to end a lot worse than mine. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm afraid that because of this choice you're making, God might touch you with adab, with punishment. Min ar-Rahman. And again, reminding him, this punishment is not from a tyrant. This God wants to forgive you. But you are removing yourself from the eligibility of his forgiveness by removing yourself from faith. 
And guess what? That very same person you spent your life with in this dunya, you're going to have to spend your akhirah with. See, many of us think that we can spend the dunya with shaitan, but we'll spend the akhirah with Allah. It doesn't work like that. Your friend, like, ride, ride, you know, ride till you die, right? It's your ride or die. Like, if shaitan is your ride or die, then he will be your ride or die after you die. But if Allah was the one that you tried to get close to in this life, it doesn't matter how many times you failed. That's the beautiful part. Being close to shaitan versus being close to Allah does not, is not predicated upon how sinful or how successful. Or, no, it's just how much you cared. It's just how much you cared. How many hadith do we read of the person who drank, who fornicated, who stole, who did this, 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 but they cried. All they did was shed a tear and say, oh Allah, forgive me. And the Prophet ﷺ told them, you will be forgiven. But you also have the other person, the one who was so arrogant and obstinate, and they had every opportunity to succeed, but their arrogance stopped them. One of my favorite hadith men, Anas radiallahu anhu, he narrates, he says that a man came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, Mata sa'a ya Rasulullah, when is the hour? When's the day of judgment? You know, this question, let me just tell you something about this question. You don't ask this question unless you are really worried. You know what I mean? Like, Mata sa'a, when's the day of judgment? When is the hour? A person doesn't just wake up on a Tuesday casually wondering that. That person definitely is carrying a lot of baggage. So he comes to the Prophet ﷺ, and now that we think about that, realize he comes to him burdened by his baggage. And he says, Ya Rasulullah, when is the hour? Like, I, I got to figure something out. It's like asking your landlord, like, when is rent due? I don't have enough money. Like that concern, you can feel it. And the Prophet ﷺ, he looks at him and he says, Mada adata laha? He goes, don't worry about that, because in part, we also don't know. He says, what have you prepared for it? What do you got? And the man says to the Prophet ﷺ, he says, Ya Rasulullah, he says, laha min wa min wa min wa min He goes, Wallahi, I haven't done much. When it comes to prayer, fasting, charity, all of this, I'm not like, I'm barely there. Just hanging on by a thread. And you don't have to raise your hand, but just think, how many of us this feels like it describes us, man? Just kind of hanging on. And he says, He goes, I love Allah and I love you, Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet smiles and he says, What? Don't worry, then you'll be with who you love. So much of the success in the afterlife is based on this principle who do you love? If you love Allah more than yourself, you'll be just fine. If you love Allah more than you love yourself, you'll be just fine. But if you are constantly displaying to Allah that you love yourself more than Him, by choosing yourself more than Him, may Allah protect us. That's a tough spot to be. Then his father says back to him, قَالَ أَرَاغِبٌ أَنْتَ عَنْ آلِهَةِ يَا إِبْرَاهِيمٌ have you rejected my idols? How dare you, O Ibrahim? That kid is so cute, mashallah. He says, what? If you do not stop, I will take rocks and I will have you stoned. Like you're not going to be able, like you might have gotten out of the fire, 
but we're going to tie you down and we're going to pelt you with stones till you bleed to death. Get out of my face. Get far away. I don't ever want to see you again. Now, again, when you read this story and you read it in a bubble, everyone's like, yeah, Ibrahim, you win, go. But the people that have ever felt hurt by family know what this feels like. Like if your parents have ever accidentally inshallah, said something that hurts your feelings, where does this register on that scale? His father is saying to him, I never want to see you again. That's his father. And it doesn't matter. Look, if he didn't love his father, why does he care? Why is he trying? So you, you read this story in a vacuum and you're like, Ibrahim, you're a prophet. Go. He's going to go to hell. He's a kafir. Run. You're good, man. Go build the Kaaba, right? That's what's next. Or you're like turning the pages. You're like, can you imagine the tears that are rolling down Ibrahim's face right now? Like his worst nightmare is coming true. After pleading to his dad. And his dad said, I don't even want to see you anymore. <clears throat> Makes the next one really hard. <laughs> He says, Dad, <laughs> peace be upon you. What a response, man. This is a friend of Allah. He doesn't say, man, I tried. You know what? Forget you. He's crying. He says, Dad, salamun alaykum. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to make dua for you. Rabbi innahu kana bi hafiyya. He says that I'm going to pray for you to my Lord that he will forgive you because he truly has been the most gracious to me so surely he'll answer me. And then as he's leaving he says wa'tazilukum wa ma tad'una min dunillah wa ad'u rabbi asa alla akuna he goes and he's turned around now and he's, you can imagine he's like, I have to leave with the clothes on my body. That's it. I'm going to distance myself from everybody. You'll get your wish. This is what we call now, this is rejection. But rejection in this life, but acceptance from Allah. Which one would you have? Rejected in this life. Rejected, but accepted by Allah. Now, I'm going to ask everyone to pause for a second and think in your mind and in your heart the most beautiful, most populated, most filled picture of the Kaaba you've ever seen in your life. He might have felt alone right there, but Ibrahim is not alone. Because millions upon millions of people every year for the last 1400 years and even before that, commemorated his story because of the moment he dealt with being alone, but he did it with honor. He didn't back down. And look at how much company he has now. It's almost as if Allah Ta'ala said to him, you'll never have to be alone. After this one test, you'll never have to be alone again. 
But you can feel, subhanAllah, you can feel the pain in his voice. You know, like, you know when someone is scared to do something, what do they do? They say it out loud. <laughs> when Musa was riding, we took him to Universal Studios. And we went on the, uh, I did something really bad, guys. I did not tell him what a roller coaster was. And I took him on one. Like, I didn't, I, I, we're just waiting in line. He's like, what do we, I'm like, oh, it's a ride. He's like, oh, cool. He didn't understand, like, what that meant, okay? So as it pulls up, and he understands he has to get in this thing, and it's going to, like, drop and all that. He's like, Baba, what's going on? And I go, we're going to be fine. Don't worry, we're going to be fine. And then he says, we're going to be fine. Because when you're scared, you say what you're going to do out loud. Right? It's like a coping mechanism. Look what Ibrahim says. He goes, I will be fine. My Lord will never forsake me. Which means that naturally the human part of him had to have felt what? Forsaken. Not by Allah, but forsaken. You're allowed to feel the hurt. You're allowed to feel the pain. It's part of it. It's part of your humanness. But those moments of pain are what? Designed. Al-Izbin Abdul Salam, he says, they are designed to propel you to Allah. Because sometimes you need to be broken by the dunya so that you focus on the akhirah. Otherwise, we're just going to be like addicted to this stuff. Like your car has to get that giant accident and scratch and bump. Inshallah, you'll be fine. But you have to. Like it just, It's a matter of fact. You have to get that injury. You have to tear your ACL, not just once, but twice. Right? An Abdurrahman Murphy story. From two to zero, an ACL story, right? You have to. These injuries, these sicknesses, these trials, why do they happen? Why? If Allah is so loving and so merciful and so kind and so powerful, then how could he let these things happen? Well, because he's so loving and so kind and so merciful and so powerful, he doesn't want you to get distracted. So he places occasionally in your life a little bump. Why? Because when you get bumped, you wake up and you say, Alhamdulillah, it could have been worse. And you go back to Allah. He says that and after he had left them, this is amazing. And what they had worshipped besides Allah, we gave him Ishaq and Ya'qub as his children. Amazing. As his progeny. Because you're talking about a person that had the worst, certifiably, relationship with his dad. And then he gives him the best son. You don't have to keep your struggles don't have to define you and you don't have those struggles don't have to become a part of your future whatever happened to you in the past can stay there you can change this allah is so kind and merciful that you could have had the worst dad and you can become the best dad you could have had the most difficult relationship with your mother but you can be the most loving mother it's possible you could have seen the worst marriage in your own home as a child, and you can have the best marriage. You don't have to repeat what happened to you. And Allah Ta'ala shows this. But this was only given to him after he fulfilled his commitment. See, many of us, we want Allah to fulfill the relief without actually committing. We almost make a deal. Oh, Allah, if you do this for me, then I'll be good. Just do it for me first, show me, and then I'll be good. It's like, oh, Allah, just give me a little deposit. 20% deposit, then I'll start praying. No, that's not how this works. 
he committed, he fulfilled the commitment, he left, and then Allah Ta'ala gave him wahabna. Means literally, hiba means gift. He gifted him these righteous children. Not only that, he made both of them prophets. I mean, you, you think your kid getting into med school is cool. Right? You think that's impressive. Well, my son's a doctor. Imagine being like, my son's a prophet. How do you think those rishtas are going to go? Okay. <laughs> and we showered them with our mercy. That mercy that he didn't feel from people, it was overwhelming upon him after this. And we gave them, just like their father was truthful, we gave them truthful and honorable mention, like when they were mentioned. Now, I want to share with you one last thing, inshallah. I know we only have a few minutes, but we have to look at this. It's the same story, but Ibrahim displays how he became this amazing person. How did he compose himself? How did he trust in Allah to this degree? Are you ready? This is it. Okay? So all of this we've been through, the same story, that relate to them, Prophet, uh, o, o Messenger, Muhammad Sallallahu the story of Ibrahim, when he questioned his father and his people, what is it that you worship? They replied, we worship idols to which we are fully devoted. We've, we talked about the story, right? Abraham said, can they hear you when you call upon them? Or can they benefit or harm you? They replied, no. But we found who? We've, this is the way we've always been doing it. We found our forefathers doing it. Ibrahim said, have you considered what you've been worshiping, you and your ancestors? They are all enemies to me except the Lord of the worlds. Then he starts talking about Allah. This is what the friends of Allah believe. This is the mission statement. This is who we are. You realize that your very creation is a gift from Allah. At every turn, when you experience something, the very fact that you were created enables you to experience the pleasure that you're experiencing. And if you get to a certain point, I, everyone goes, well, what about the difficult times? Well, when the difficult times are over, what do you experience? Huh? The 115 degree summers, heat index. What are you going to feel when it's 75? What are you going to feel? Relief. Isn't relief a gift in and of itself? Could relief exist without trial? No. Isn't relief such an amazing feeling? It's so different. It's so unique. It's not the same. Relief is not the same as pleasure. It's a different kind of feeling. And that relief could never happen unless you went through trial. I tell this, this is, that's, my, that's my speech to all the single people looking to get married. You'll get married, inshallah, one day. Say inshallah. Stop being so stingy. Everyone's like, mm. Okay? He's the one who guided me. He's the one who gave me food and drink. Everything I have is from him. When I'm sick, he's the one who cures me. He is the one who will cause me to die, and he's the one who will bring me back to life. And as a result of all of that, <laughs> I love this. He said, if you think about it from, from my, my beginning to my end and everything in between was all Allah, and I hope that my commitment to him, my friendship with him, my principle with him will allow me to be forgiven for my mistakes on the day of judgment. And then he tells us, my Lord, grant me wisdom and join me with the righteous. Be with good people. Ibrahim was alone and he's saying, oh Allah, give me company. 
Look around you. Look at the friends you came here with tonight. These are the people that you can be with. And give me honorable mention amongst those later generations. We ask Allah Ta'ala to make us a friend of him. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give us all the, the traits and the beautiful characteristics of Ibrahim salam. We ask Allah Ta'ala to protect us from the trials that we cannot handle. We ask Allah Ta'ala to prepare us for any difficulty that we will face. And we ask Allah Ta'ala to give us relief from all of the challenges that we are experiencing. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give us happiness and contentment. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give us patience and trust. We ask Allah Ta'ala to allow us to be thrown into whatever fire that we may, but walk out unscathed. We ask Allah Ta'ala to allow us to always remember him in the moments when we feel the most lonely, the most isolated. We ask Allah Ta'ala to allow, always let him be all the company we need, that we never need anyone else. We ask Allah Ta'ala to never ever allow us to stray from the straight path and that we follow the example of all of the prophets and first and foremost, of course, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Jazakumullah khairan, everybody. Barakallahu feekum. Inshallah, we're going to go ahead and wrap up because Maghrib has come in. Uh, we'll see you guys, inshallah, uh, this, this week and for all the events that we've had. And we're, we're going to continue to have. We have a game night coming up, inshallah, next weekend. We had the hike yesterday. I don't know who came to that, but alhamdulillah. So we got a lot of stuff picking up. So check out our calendar and we'll see you guys, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.